The following is an unedited full-length recording of the February 6, 2018, Board of Selectmen meeting. Video of Board of Selectmen meetings air on the Government Channel in Foxborough and are also available on the Foxborough Cable Access website at fcatv.org. Meeting coverage is made available through the efforts of Foxborough Cable Access on behalf of the Foxborough Board of Selectmen. This meeting runs just over one hour and 26 minutes. Welcome to the February 6 Board of Selectmen's meeting. Uh, I'll read the agenda. At 7 o'clock, we'll have citizens' input. 7.05, Fire Chief Roger Hatfield discuss Southeastern Regional Homeland Security Advisory Council grants. Uh, 7.10, Michael Knight uh, discuss vote release all rights granted in the conveyance of easements and utilities. 7.15, personnel and training policy review. Uh, we'll have a discussion. 7.45, selectmen's update. 7.55, town manager's update. 8.05, assistant town manager's update. Uh, we have a bunch of a bunch of action items, um, and then at 8:20, um, after the regular session, we're going to we're going to go into executive session. Um, Doc, can you give us some uh, pledge, please? Sure. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Past seven. Is anybody here for uh, citizens' input? Um, I'd just like to read a letter that uh, Bill received from the New England Patriots into the record. <clears throat> Obviously, we're all disappointed with the outcome on Sunday, um, but I do like to read this into the record. Um, Dear Bill, on behalf of our family and the entire New England Patriots organization, we would like to sincerely thank the Foxborough community for the overwhelming support and display of Patriots pride throughout the town in the weeks leading up to Super Bowl 52. We are sorry to disappoint our fans and sorry that we were not able to bring a sixth Lombardi Trophy home to Foxborough. Please know that we plan to do whatever we can to make sure we feel the competitive team again next season. While we left Minnesota disappointed, we were uplifted to see all the photos in the Foxborough Cable Access video of the hometown rally had on the, held on the Common on Saturday, February 3rd. The enthusiasm of the crowd and the creativity of the signs were awesome and a wonderful reminder that we truly have the best fans in the NFL, and it starts right here in Foxborough, the home of Patriots Nation. Thank you to all who came out and supported us this season, especially at the hometown rally and outside the stadium to welcome us home, welcome us home upon our return from Minneapolis. A special thank you to the organizers of the rally, Linda Walsh and Jim DeVellis, Paul Farmer for printing and designing many of the signs around the common, and to the Board of Selectmen for proclaiming Sunday, February 4, 2018, as New England Patriots Day in Foxborough. Your efforts and support mean so much to us. Thank you all from the bottom of our hearts. We have already begun working on the 2018 season, and we hope it will be another exciting year in Foxborough, as we are not done in our pursuit of a sixth Lombardi Trophy. Sincerely, Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft. Um, a couple of thoughts. Um, first, I'd just like to second um, a special thank you to Linda, Bush, Jim, and, and Paul Farmer. Um, it's not easy organizing stuff like that, and you guys just jumped in, and you guys did a great job. And then as far as the Crafts are concerned, they're part of this community. They've been here for over 24 years, and they spend as much time, if not more time, than a lot of us do. So, um, very nice uh, letter uh, from them. Um, but if they're watching, they are one of us. So, 
Um, congratulations on a great season, and we're all looking forward to next year. Okay. We burned enough time. 705. Uh, discuss Southeastern Regional Homeland Security Advisory Council grants. Chief Hatfield. Good evening to all of you. Um, in your package, you're going to find two actual grants that we've received. Uh, as most of you know, for the last few years, we've been working very, really hard to try to get some equipment and get uh, some support from Homeland Security and from NEMA on preparing our community better for any type of large-scale situation that might occur. Um, we finally have been able to catch their ear um, with a lot of support. And there's two projects that are in front of you. One is a, a, a kind of a cash shelter. It's not money. It's talking about equipment cash. And we're looking to put a 40 by 40 structure uh, right behind the public safety building. Um, 55000 funded from uh, the actual grant. And Roger Hill and his people have been outstanding. Um, helping us prepare for this, as they've already uh, put two of these structures up uh, over at Public Works. This is a lot smaller than those two structures, but Roger's very, uh, very, very much uh, familiar with the type of structure it is and how to, how to build it out. And his budget right now is showing that on our side, being, uh, you know, work and, and, and some of the equipment that we're going to need uh, or supplies that we're going to need is about 16000 that I already had prepared in the emergency management component of our budget. Uh, so we, we definitely have the ability to make that project happen. Um, there's other things that come with that, being uh, emergency lighting plants uh, along with signboards that would be available to us to do whatever we have to do if we have a crisis. So that's the first project. The second project is a mass casualty trailer so that if we had a large-scale situation and we had to treat a lot of folks that were uh, in dire need of uh, preventing any blood loss, we would be able to actually take care of them. We have none of that available to us to, as of today. Uh, all the models that we've ever seen uh, showing any type of uh, situation that we might have up at Gillette, along with a, a school attack, along with a hospital attack, like everything else that we've been seeing uh, nationwide and through the, through the world, um, we wouldn't be able to be prepared for that, especially where we don't have any tra trauma centers nearby. So this is a $40,000 trailer. We still need to supply it, but I've already got um, um, connections going with both uh, two divisions of OEMS and some other private entities to, to assist us in getting the equipment in this trailer. Uh, this is a long time coming. Uh, we've been working on this for a long time. I was shocked when I first got here the little amount of support that we've gotten from MEMA and Homeland Security for uh, a community that has the largest venue in the Commonwealth. And they're, you know, finally a lot of people have come to bat for us and we're finally seeing some support. Roger, is this trailer strictly for Foxborough or, or will it be available to it, the surrounding It's majority, it, it's really majority for us, uh, it's, it, but it is an asset. So mutual aid, like we do now, if somebody else has a crisis, we would respond with it just like we would with anything from, from mutual aid. Mm -hmm. okay, thanks. So in, in support of Roger's uh, presentation tonight, the, uh, this has been a long time coming. Roger, to his credit, and the, and the department have been working a long time to try and get this secured for this region. 
Uh, there are a couple of regions around the Commonwealth that actually have this equipment, but we couldn't think of a better place to have it than right here in our own backyard because, um, first of all, as Roger pointed out, it's, it's the, as she points out, it's, it's clearly a, well, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest venues in the entire Commonwealth and certainly an area that um, could be uh, of great assistance to other casualties even in other areas and assisting in, in, in providing support to communities in and around this region if, in fact, we needed to do uh, to find a place to house people during a major crisis. Um, I'm really uh, very pleased with the work that, that, that the group has shown to put this together. And, uh, and like I said, it was no short, short effort to do it. It, was, it took, it took <coughs> time to try and pull it, pull it off. So um, I'm very pleased that they'd be able to, to be here to support their efforts in trying to get this, uh, get the, get this going forward. No. Um, with the 40 by 40 canopy, mm -hmm. um, you said light banks and all that. So, so elaborate on what's going to be in this. Okay, so it's a 40 by 40 structure. Uh, we've already gone to the planning board. We've given them the initial uh, view of what we're thinking and what we're looking at. Um, they were There was no questions. They were pretty supportive to it. We are finalizing that process by the two neighbors that are abutting it, inviting them to it, the final hearing. We've got all our paperwork in. And uh, Deputy Chief Buckley's done an outstanding job doing all that planning component. And um, so it's, it's going to be green. It's not going to be white like what, what Roger Hill has. So it blends into the, the environment. And that has, right now, they have three lighting, brand spanking new lighting plants generators down in, in the, at the Cape for this site, along with three signboards. Those are like the, the, the large signboards that we see on Route 1 during football games. But these will be utilized for emergencies only. It's not going to be you know, supplanting any of that type of activity. It's only if we have a crisis. So if we have a crisis, we'll be able to, to control the, the traffic flow in town along with diverting traffic as we feel we need to uh, if we have that type of situation. And again, it's not just for a one-dimensional site being like Gillette. It's if we have any crisis in the community. We might have an emergency water break, and we'll be able to use this equipment to support us to, to deal with that. What other type of equipment do you see going in there in the future? Well, right now we do have um, a regional shelter trailer that we got right after 2010 when we had our, our shelter. We've got that. Uh, so that will be located there. This new mass casualty trailer will be located there. There might be an additional traffic control trailer. Um, and I think ultimately when it's all said and done, there might be as much as five lighting plants and five signboards. I don't believe it will ever be any more than that. Um, we, we feel that with what we have in the structure and the larger trailers being parked, we probably only would take up about three or four of those spots that are in that parking lot. Um, we've talked to Vince that has kind of like the, the rights to that parking lot. He has absolutely no problem with that. Um, and it's, it's tucked away in that corner near the walkway that we're, it's kind of secluded, but we can keep a good eye with the cameras on it for security. Okay, so the... The grant is for the actual structure, and then you have 16 grand in your budget. And for the blocks, for the foundation, the, you know, um, all the work that Roger's going to do if we need to bring any fill in. Uh, he'll use some of that hard pack um, from when they, yep. they actually resurface all the, the pavement. So will Roger's team physically they're gonna be working with us. put it up? Yeah. Um, I think what they're going to do, they'll do the site prep, and then uh, it's a, basically a contract to get the structure and have it installed. 
Uh, I don't believe they install it. I think they do all the work up to the installation. So is the installation? The grant covers all that. The grant covers the installation? Yeah. Okay. Um, question on the trailer. I noticed yeah. in the documents it said it would have a dedicated truck. Do we have a truck that we, we do. call that? We do. They, uh, what we did is uh, knowing that this was coming, when we replaced the old pickup truck, um, I had, it, I had a, a utility body put on it so that we could have it for that purpose of taking care of this equipment. Okay. So that's already been done. Like I said, this has been years in the works, and, and so we've been preparing for it slowly. Roger, what's the expected useful life of the, of the structure? Any idea? That's a Roger Hill question. But, um, you know, I know Roger is a big believer of it, mm -hmm. and I, I listen to him. Um, you know, the reason why I ask is it's great that we have the grant. Yeah. I think it's based on, on the venues. Um, probably not a bad thing to have, especially in the world that we live in today. Um, but there's going to be ongoing maintenance. Um, I want to make sure we think about that and we, we budget accordingly. Um, expected useful life replacement. Um, and there is a regional need. Is there any way to leverage uh, any resources on a regional basis to help support some of the ongoing maintenance and um, equipment needs or is it just we're going to do it and if you need it we're here for you and that's it? I would speculate the answer is yes absolutely. SERPID being the southeastern hazardous material you know um, homeland security group. SERPID is, um, is made a commitment to three sites. Their number one site was in Bridgewater. It's in the center of their district. It's a very it's their largest site. Then they have one in the Cape for the southern southern part of their district and we're the northern district. So I would speculate uh, by their efforts and what they've been working on for the last five years, it's their, it's their plan, that they will always be supportive of these three sites and, and taking care of maintaining those sites. Are the other two sites in existence now? Yeah, yeah. we're the last one. How long have the uh, buildings been up in the river? So um, Bridgewater's probably been up three years, and um, the one on the Cape was an existing site that uh, was there for their the Barnstable uh, Fire um, Training Ground, and I think that what they did is they they gave them more equipment to support that site that's already there with that same type of structure. Are, are they supplying the equipment? Yes. That's, this? Okay. Okay. that's above and beyond this structure. Right. That's already that's a different. Now again, that's a good question because I haven't gotten any paperwork on it. I know that there's three sign boards and three lighting plants, so there might be another grant coming for me to, to accept those, and I'll be in front of you for those, too. Good. Good job. Any other questions? Yes, and answer. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Rod. Do you want to just vote on the two action items that I want to Yeah, we can take these two action items. All righty, then. <clears throat> Move to accept a grant gift donation to Foxborough Fire Rescue of one medium-sized canopy PVC shelter structure with insulation and electrical components worth $55,000 from the Southeastern Regional Homeland Security Advisory Council. Second. What's your made second? Any further discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. 
move to accept a grant gift donation to the Foxborough Fire and Rescue of a 24-foot large-scale regional EMS response mass casualty trailer worth $40,000 from the Southeastern Regional Homeland Security Advisory Council. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, Chief. Thank you. 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 Thank Last, sometime last week to indicate that um, he's, they're trying to dispose of a piece of property that are trying to... Are, are you the seller of the property or the owner? I'm not the seller. seller the property, that's right. So where they're trying to sell the property where there is a, 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 an easement over the property for a, for a subdivision that was actually never built. So the only way that that can actually, uh, the, that the town can actually, that the easement can actually be removed is by having a vote, vote of the board of selectmen to remove it since the since the the, uh, the, the subdivision was never built. We have a we had we did have a um, the planning board did actually move uh, take it under their advisement at their last meeting and they actually uh, agreed with the action that's being taken by the board tonight as well. So without further attention to detail, I'll, I'll turn it over to Mike and maybe he can offer a little bit more insight. Yes, uh, Mr. Chairman. Members of the board, my name is Michael Knight, I'm an attorney in Mansfield. Uh, I was characterized very well, uh, that's what's going on. Uh, they, my client is Mr. Thomas McGovern and his wife uh, bought a parcel of land at 96 Belcher Road and they were planning on uh, building uh, a subdivision there. Uh, it never happened uh, and Miss uh, Miss Lynch McGovern uh, passed away in 2012 and my client now has a license to sell and is planning to sell it uh, and has a buyer. It's already willing. The buyer is ready, willing, and able, and we just have to clear up some of these uh, easements that were given to the subdivision, but which has since lapsed. So I've gone to the Conservation Commission. We've got, the, we've got that going through. We've the planning board. I need the Board of Selectmen, and I need to deal with uh, Verizon and Mass Electric and it's all in works. So this is just one more step. So there is nothing built on the property. There was nothing there. Uh, the easements, I think, uh, I'm sure, were for sewage and uh, roadways, which don't exist. So I just need it cleared up, uh, and then uh, you can sell it. We actually, we actually do have a form of release uh, that the board will have, and it's, it's things to sign tonight, but we would need a vote of the board to actually take action to, uh, to enact that. Once, yeah, uh, once the land is sold, they're going to have to come back and get the easements again, anyway. If they ever develop that way, develop the new developer, I, I, I'm sure he's planning on doing something similar, but that's up to. You know, okay, so this just out. wipes the clean. This wipes the clean. I have so to give him a clean. That's with a clean slate title. Mm -hmm. if, if we're going to vote on the affirmative, can I suggest two conditions? Uh, there's nothing in our packets for any plan that went there. It's just an easement. I'd like to see a plan. That has a subdivision. Where is it? What the date of the acceptance and approval was? Um, if you don't have it now, but yeah, as a condition. Fine. And the second condition is, um, you know, other meetings are not televised. So if the planning board did in fact 
approve this um, in our package next week? Could it, we get it, is the, in, it is in your package. Yeah, there the, is a, there the is minutes a, from the planning a, board? There is a, uh, an email from the, uh, from the board. From the, it's, in, it's in the attachment, Jim. I see the, uh, the deed. And there's a second one from Gabby plan. Jordan that says that the planning board meeting held on January 25th. Oh, no, I, I got that from, from Gabby. I want a copy of the minutes and the discussion and if there's any okay. conditions on there. Um, it's it just if we're going to vote on something by other boards, That's fine. I, I just want that in our record. So I, I, I did get, I have it. Okay, very good. I just want to make sure you had that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I don't, but how do we want to proceed with that? Well, without that information, can't take a vote. Unless you want can't, to do it as can't condition something without the information. So I, I would rather just get the information and vote on it, keep it clean. But um, it, it, having said that, I'm, I'm I'm confident the planning board voted on it. Mm -hmm. But I would I just never vote on something unless like I don't even know what part of town this is in. You know, I don't know. Belcher it's off of Belcher Road. It's Belcher Road. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of right it, the corner of east the size of it. it those easements that encumbrance the property are there any value? To the town, even though it wasn't built, we we actually reviewed this internally as well with our staff, and and, and everybody agreed that this was the right action to take. Okay, it's good for the staff, but you're asking the board to vote. I'm, I'm not being right. adversarial, but I don't have anything from the staff. The planning board meetings aren't televised. We've got a letter, you know, a reference to a mass law, but it'd be nice to see where this plan is in town. That's all I'm asking. So I don't I don't know if the form. Okay, the lot release from the planning board was included in the in the packet. This is what was signed off on. I don't. Think, I don't think I saw that form. So okay, I could give you a copy. You want to just provide that to the board, or yes, that would provide. That would give them at least an indication that that, yep. that they all signed off on it. Yep. I don't think that was actually provided to us. Covenant secures the completion of the approved definitive subdivision plan. So that had to be back in the day, right? Well, it was never really. Like 2006, I think it was approved. Plan was in 2006. Correct. Yeah. The easements, uh, your your easements were in 2007. Do you happen to have a plan with you that reflects that? I have the plan? No. So this is a subdivision that was. I can might be able to get it from planning. I can, like, that was check. never built. Right. We just run upstairs. I see. Nothing was done. Yeah. Planning released it. And, and looking at the at the easement. Gives the town perpetual rights um, to uh, to. Construct, inspect, repair, remove, replace, operate, forever maintain a sanitary sewer or sewers with any manholes, uh, pipes, conduits, and other apprentices. Pipes, conduits, and their apprentices for the conveyance of water and a covered surface and groundwater drain. drain. So basically, this is giving the, the town the ability to go on your property and make any repairs. 
um, roadways and sewer right. drainage. And none of this was built? Correct. Planning board has released. That's correct. And um, uh, the subdivision. Correct. And there were some orders of conditions, order of conditions from the uh, conservation commission, which is, I am I'm certain we've signed off on uh, next week at their meeting. We've already spoken to them. There are. There was nothing to complete. I know. I know this is a timing issue, but we're the last ones correct. that should be signing off on this. Um, you know, to Jim's point, we shouldn't be signing off on on release of, of easements until all the other boards have signed off. Um, when, when is when do you, when do you anticipate getting the the rest of the sign-offs? Well, the, the utility companies are notoriously slow to react. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I get that, but the other yeah. the other boards that. That we have, Actually, we uh, the Conservation Commission, Commission is all set to go. It needs a signature from the treasurer. Uh, we've spoken to the treasurer. Uh, there's some back taxes that are owed. She doesn't usually sign off on that until the taxes are paid. She's willing to wait to sign uh, until the closing, whereupon the taxes are paid. She spoke with the seller, and she's confident that he's going to pay. It's coming out of the the proceeds of the of the uh, sale, so uh, the buyer is willing to wait for the actual signature of the copy. So we put it on record the day of closing, and the taxes are paid. So how far so, are the back taxes owed? How many years? Uh, you know, I don't I don't know exactly how many years, but I can tell you the amount. Uh, it's about fifty four thousand dollars, and which was uh, surprising to me. At yeah, the time. so I, I think I, that's I, a lot of interest. If yeah. this is going forward, this is a no yeah. vote for me. Yeah. Pay the bill, pay the taxes, and we can release it. it it's a no brainer yeah. from my so, side. The pro, right. It's only three lots on But it's fifty four thousand dollars in back taxes. Yeah, they, so. they, they can't release it until they, they pay it off. So. My my point is, pay off the taxes, then come and we'll release it. We've been through this before in other developments in, in yeah, to the last we, minute. We already, we already said that we would not release them. And we, we've already made that stipulation, and we would not release it to them until we were getting all the approvals, and then they would release it. Right. It's a matter of time. But it's we, right. We, it's going to be done time. Yeah, yeah but so my point is we're not, we're not over the years. Yep. We're, fund, we're financing this. We're not a bank. Pay the taxes, then come in front of this, my opinion, then pay the board, come in front of the board to release whatever reasons we have over it. it I can't so, see any other way to do this. It sounds like it's unclear. Like, have did the conservation meet on this and discuss it and vote? The conservation hasn't happened on it yet. But yeah, so, the, like, the, well, to Jim's point, we can't vote on something yeah. if... Well, it wouldn't be a full release. It's just one piece of the release so, process. So, so I, I have... Uh, Are we, is the board the, but is the board the final? The no. final? No, it, the final one was if all, if all the board signed off. Plenty board signed off for us. He brought it to us. So I have I have no problem having a, a special meeting to to resolve this. Okay, so he doesn't have to wait until the next next board meeting. But I want to see the conservation sign off and I want to see the taxes paid. Okay. Um, you want to maybe Lisa can address yeah. the taxes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So hi. Um, we had a conference with the seller and the buyer's attorney and Bill, and 
you know, where this has gone on long enough, we want to get our, our taxes paid. We want the tax title paid off. I am holding any signed document. I'm not signing off on anything till I have a bank check in my hand. I will release the conservation um, certificate. I won't release anything. They can't do anything until they have the certificates. I'm holding them in escrow until I get that money. Then they will receive all the signed documents. That way I guarantee the town gets their money, everything gets paid, right. and all the documents get released. No documents get released until any we get, the document, town gets paid. Until the That's town correct. gets paid. It's, that was our intention. Well, it, it's a it's a simultaneous thing. Right. As soon as we, we get the funds at the closing and instantaneously gets paid off. It's, it's I, I understand that, and, and so I, I have all the faith that you're going to hold this piece of paper until <laughs> you get the bill. How long is how long have they been in arrears? So, this particular property, it's actually started out as three parcels. So there's three parcels. Two have been in since 2012. When Mrs. Lynch passed away, that's when the things kind of got hairy, and then one since 2014, or vice versa. So, it's been three years. But like we said, Mrs. Lynch passed away. There was a lot of well, it's the, yeah, this the estate in this property. In the estate. So. The assessors now made it one parcel for fiscal 18, so it's all going to get paid, you know, $55,000 in pocket. Everything signed off is much better than, you know, waiting for the person to come up with 55000 Then, you know, this is a particular instance. We don't do it all the time. We don't want to do it all the time. But in this particular instance, this is the best way we can see possible to get the taxes and everything signed off by holding these, these documents in escrow until I receive the payment. Would um, would the purchaser be willing to provide a letter of credit? I'm not certain. Uh, that it's, from it's, it's not. It's not that we we don't have full full faith in you. It's just we need something that some sort of document that says, okay, this is guaranteeing that the taxes will be paid, regardless. Because if that if that deal, that I mean, it's possible that that deal could fall through. Then you tear up that signed off easement. I would think. Yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't. We couldn't give it to them until that happens. The right, you don't no. file the paperwork for that. That's that's the right, key. Correct. We're holding everything in escrow, the, all the documents in order before we release anything. That's correct. That was my understanding as well. Right. Yeah, we've uh, we've confirmed that with confirmed that with Frank Spillane too, who's also the closing attorney for the right. for right. the buyer, and he's right. uh, he's in full agreement with that. In fact, he's you know he said that's normal how normally how it's done. You hold everything until everything's paid, and then you know so so I don't want to mix up the two. I mean I think that what we're trying to do is, is this is one step in the in the approval process. We cannot move forward to the next process until the, to the closing process until until the, all the boards have signed off. So it's just a matter of order and how this happened. The planning board was first. You happen to be second. Conservation will be is is on their agenda I think for next week. So, Next Thursday. Jim's point, I mean, you don't want the selectmen to sign until conservation is signed, taxes are paid, and, yeah, and I, all that. Yeah. So is there a way? It, it, well, is there any particular reason why? Is it, I was thinking about selling my house in two years, so I'm not going to pay taxes till I sell it, and then you'll get the time, we'll get the money. It's as simple as that. I've been through this before with, with different developers. They come in at the last second before a town meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, it, they wouldn't be here unless we had something that they needed, which was encumbrances on their property. Okay. So if the market's good, I'm not in, um, you know, if they want to put a three-lot or a five-lot subdivision, I'm yep. not in love with more housing coming in. 
Mm -hmm. But pay the bill. We'll sign it off. If you can do it without us, so be it. But I'm not going to, you know, the plans and easements, I, I, that's fine. Uh, the, the planning board signed off the conservation. Mm -hmm. But there's no way I'm going to sign this if there's taxes due because it's not fair to everyone else that pays their taxes. And the market's gone up and up and up, and people have enjoyed this, holding on to this property without paying taxes. So I, I guess I'm just wondering how that, that works, though, in terms of a closing, a legal closing. I don't think you can do that closing until you actually, until, until the, the, the board releases it, correct? You can't, you can't do well, what you can't client, do something That's why I release. suggested a letter of credit. Right. So. My client doesn't have the funds to pay the taxes right now. He needs it to, obviously, he needs to sell the property. I think if we speak to uh, the buyer's attorney, if they know that it's going to be signed off on at the closing, I'm sure they'll, they'll do that. So but that what we can't do is have them have it not signed off after we close because I'm giving them a piece of property without right. with, well, with you, a lien on it. You're not to close with unencumbered mm -hmm. title. And I, right. I, but if it's, if it's coming, we'll have, the, we'll have it paid off and we'll yeah. have the signatures and all. We've been through, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, just before, I mean, there's a notorious developer in town that wouldn't pay his taxes, then he had a development and was always pending, right. you know, paying his taxes and Stood. miraculously show up at the last minute with his, with his, <laughs> with his check. Um, and, and to Jim's point, I mean, people can just sit on the taxes. And so if, if we can get a letter of credit or a bond or, or something um, that will guarantee payment. Thank you for clarifying because I've never had that experience, uh, the, the similar experience that you've had here. But um, So I guess what they're looking for is some assurance that the taxes will be paid or are paid before they release, they, they, they offer full release. So if there's a way of offering a letter, letter of credit or... To, to the board, I think that would that would that be sufficient to the boards to, for doing that? I think, I think it will, you, you may get credit, yeah. <laughs> you may get the board vote. I'm, I'm adamant about put the money in the back to the town before we sign it off. And um, there's probably not much more you can say. I know I know we you do have very. A lien on the property, so we're protected. So we yeah. do have a lien on yep. the property. Yeah. So you know they're paying 16 percent interest. We have a lien, so we're protected mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. And, it, and it can't be and it can't be cleared until they right. pay it. We're not going to release the lien right. until we get paid. So we also have another step in your process that mm -hmm. I have to make sure that the money, the funds, clear, and they get the paperwork, and then then I sign the release on the lien. So we have another level of protection. So I would I would bring this to a vote with a letter of credit. Okay. From the buyer. The buyer. Um, some, somebody who's going to be responsible for paying the back taxes. Okay, whether it's the seller or the buyer, I don't care. It's immaterial to it, me. It, it'll probably be the buyer in this instance because it'll effectively be paid at the, at, at the, at the closing. It will be coming from the buyer's right. funds that he pro provides, right? It they want to reduce the sales price by $54,000, and yeah, it doesn't I matter. Yeah. I understand. So, and and like like I deal. said, I have no problem calling a special meeting so you don't have to wait until the next right. uh, board of selectmen cycle, but we want to see that. Understood. What's up? Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, 25 minutes to 8 o'clock. Um, Personnel and training policy review. I guess that's you, Meredith. Yes. So if you um, 
could refer to, uh, we have a Tana Foxborough employee training summary in your board docs. It's a spreadsheet. It might be going the wrong way. If you click on the little arrow icon, it'll go the right way. So there's three little things at the top. Um, one that looks like a circular arrow. Oh, if you click on that, it'll go the right way. Um, so I'd like to um, thank the board for this opportunity to update you on our policy and training. Um, this chart in front of you shows uh, current progress on policy development and training, and uh, it shows the history since 2014. Um, I wanted to just give you a brief history. When I was hired at the end of 2014, I was charged with the task of assessing our HR needs, centralizing the HR function. Um, the town's employee landscape had changed significantly upon my arrival. Uh, before my arrival, there were three new collective bargaining groups in place. Um, of the original group of employees that were originally covered by the personnel bylaw. So that included, we had a new dispatch union and two steelworker groups. Um, there were uh, some workplace culture issues that we inherited. Um, so in order to address all of these things, the first step we took was to do an audit. Uh, we The audit um, showed that we were missing some basic workplace policies. Uh, most processes were not defined. They were just, this is the way we always did it. Um, and we were open to a lot of risk. So we proceeded to develop policies, processes, and procedures and communicate them to gain buy-in. The way we did this is we reconvened the personnel board. They had been defunct for a couple of years. Um, with the personnel board and HR council, we created a new personnel bylaw. Uh, that was approved at town meeting, and we began uh, creating policies to address gaps, uh, correct some of our current practices, and to build the basic must-have policies. Um, we ran the drafts by the department head group to kind of get a feel for it. Uh, we convened the non-union employees, and we bounced it off the operations group. We, um, at personnel board, will, if you recall, We'll chunk a couple of policies together and come and present to you for adoption and the town manager for signature and approval. Uh, once approved, we systematically introduced the new policies um, as proposals during our bargaining sessions. So, for example, at the last steelworker negotiations, we brought to them the workplace violence policy, the social media policy, the code of conduct policy. Um, so once the unions have impact bargained those, um, we set up training dates and implementation schedules concurrent with our policy distribution. So if you look at the, the table here, this is a summary of the significant training and policy initi initiatives. There are some tiny one-off trainings that I didn't list on here just because I wanted to keep it on one page. Um, and just to tell you just from my experience and um, HR, both private sector, academic, and public sector, this is a very nuts and bolts approach. It's a, an old-fashioned kind of approach, but it does follow recommended best practices in municipal HR. Um, it's based on legal advice and HR industry standards, and it's necessary risk management tool to train employees instead of just handing out a pile of policies, having them sign them. Uh, read them and sign them, it really doesn't give you much meaning. So we're trying to have meaning and impact by training people. It's also part of our onboarding packet for new employees. Um, 
you know, we hope that perhaps going forward we can begin to utilize some online training. When we get a new updated, modernized website, we're hoping that we have an intranet so that employees can log on, you know, on an annual basis and check off on their ethics, check off on their sexual harassment training and all of that. Um, but we don't have an intranet right now. We don't have a vehicle for doing that. Um, but I think just in kind of retrospect, as you look at our, I, I believe that we have accomplished a good amount of the um, required policies. You know, ongoing, we're doing darkness to light. We've completed workers' comp training, um, quarry policy, ethics, anti-harassment and discrimination prevention, a vehicle policy, public records training. Uh, we've done a m mindfulness uh, customer service training for library employees, a strategic planning exercise with library. Um, we've done, we've completed workplace violence, customer service excellence, um, now doing performance evaluation training. Uh, we have a code of conduct civility training scheduled for June um, so boards and committees can participate. Uh, and we're going to re- uh, renew the anti-harassment and discrimination policy. It's time to retrain on that, as well as we'll be bringing you a new quarry policy next at the next selectmen's meeting because it was time to update that. Um, so I think if you survey our employees, the in-person trainings have been really productive for us in a variety of ways. Um, not only do employees understand the policy they're signing, but they're learning the process for how to recognize and report behaviors. It brings groups of employees together that um, don't always meet. So we had room, a room full of people here that were from DPW, Council on Aging, people who, town hall, people who might not ever work together. Um, it created a really good interaction with the presenters uh, to ask questions. And like at the end of any given policy, workplace violence, for example, there was a line of people wanting to talk to Jack Dolan and the police chief, like asking questions. Um, and I think having clearly defined, defined policies and accepted guidelines has had a positive impact on our workplace culture. Before, people didn't know what the rules were. And it was kind of a culture of, you know, there's a policy there. No one ever, you know, there might or might not be a policy, but people never knew what they were. So I think um, there were some very positive unintended consequences of these trainings we've, we've held, and we look forward to the next um, round of trainings that we're going to be doing. Um, but I wanted to just take this opportunity to thank you for letting us present this at a Board of Selectmen meeting. You know, it's an unusual opportunity because these are the operational processes that we use, that we do every day. Um, there are so many other areas of HR that we, you know, do on an operational basis like recruitment, um, employment practices, performance and employee development, risk management, classification, compensation. So... We're proud of the work we've done to centralize these processes and professionalize the HR function and reduce the town's risk in employment matters. So happy to do future presentations on any of these uh, function areas of HR, but um, I'm happy to take any questions that you might have about the current policies or training. Processes. I have, I have a bunch of questions. Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest ones is why do why do some policies take like no time to roll out and train? Other policies take extended periods to to roll out. That that's a great question. Um, so, for example, a quarry policy. There's no statutory 
training requirement. I'm the person, because I do quarry, that has to be trained, or the COA director. We have to undergo training. So that's just an employment. Uh, when we make a conditional offer of employment to a new employee, we do a quarry. Um, and when our employees deal with vulnerable populations, they need to be quarried. So something like that wouldn't need training or rollout. However, something like sexual harassment, you are required by law to do training um, every, you know, I believe it's on a three-year cycle. So we, and every year you're required to hand out the policy. So something like that that's significant um, and a really important workplace issue. We've even edited our policy receipt to say not only I've, I've attended training or I understand the policy. We say, do you understand the sexual harassment policy as stated? Can you tell us if you feel that you've been a victim of sexual harassment? So that would then cause another investigation. Do you understand how to report based on this policy? So those kind of things, you can't ask those questions if you just hand out a policy. We need to do the training. So significant things like workplace violence, code of conduct, um, social media, because it transcends every aspect of our work now, those are important ones to train and make sure people understand and recognize and report and all of those things. Well, one of the other aspects of that is that uh, every one of the workplace type of, of, of uh, policies that impact the, the, the terms and conditions of employment require to be negotiated, you know, negotiate the impacts of each and one of, each and one of, the, each one of the union, the collective bargaining units. So we have to meet with each one of the units and go through it with them and get, answer any of their concerns or responses that they may have to, to, the, to the policy itself. They, if, if there are aspects of the policy that they're uncomfortable with, we, we go through it and then understand if, there's, if we have to tweak the policy a little bit to, to make it you know, more comfortable for them to make that work. Um, it takes time to do that, and it's usually done, um, it's, it's done either congruent with the, with, the, with the collective bargaining process or outside the collective bargaining process. Either way, it takes several meetings to get that completed. So that usually is the, one of the biggest delays in getting stuff done. Anything that doesn't require collective bargaining gets out, rolled out rather quickly um, mm -hmm. in, in training. But it's the other ones that, that require uh, a process to have, that we have to go through. Just a follow-up on that one. Mm -hmm. if, before we go into a different topic. Mm -hmm. So uh, Chairman brought up the, the process. Mm -hmm. And you brought up the code of conduct. So I, I just for full disclosure, I had a meeting with Rebecca, with Rebecca, <laughs> Mary Beth, and Bill, uh, and, and there was a disagreement. We we mm -hmm. completely were on different sides on one topic, and mm -hmm. I, Bill had suggested I bring it back to the chair for discussion. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't ask for this topic to be on here, but it's it's timely. So you, you look at the code of conduct, and, and the code of conduct policy was brought to us in June. Mm -hmm. June twenty okay. first, you signed. And it. it's scheduled to be rolled out in June of 2018, so one mm -hmm. full year. So if you look at the Code of Conduct, they have three or four terms on civility, integrity, respect, ethics, communications, and teamwork. Right? Short paragraphs for each one. And then one on enforcement that basically says uh, it's expected that everyone will abide by this and will be enforced. And then one short sentence says uh, employees shall report violations, and there's a signature on it. Mm -hmm. So. This was this was brought to the selectmen in June. We signed it, mm -hmm. and then the town manager signed it. Went on the website. There's a there's an expectation that it's a policy now since it's on our website, and it's 
we voted on it. Oh, uh, so between last June and this June, is it a policy or is it not a policy? It's not a policy that we can enforce as of yet because we, we have you actually the signing signing of the policy is the first step in the process. We've we've internally discussed the fact we shouldn't put it on on the website, not until it's fully rolled out to everybody. And the reason why we, we don't want to do that is because it's a little bit misleading that we're actually enforcing that policy at this point in time. So we've, we've discussed that, and we've since taken it down. So we're free to roll it out to the non-union employees and the seasonal employees, but it was a conscious dis- discussion with HR Council whether you can roll it out to one group and hold them accountable and not, not the other group. The okay, so, so we want to do it as a blanket. The other thing is, one, oh, I just want to tell you, so when Personnel Board discussed these all in a group, um, the Code of Conduct policy refers back to both the sexual, har- the anti-harassment discrimination policy and also the workplace violence policy. So Council, who did the workplace violence training, suggested that you needed these other policies in place before you could. This is sort of the icing on the top of all of them to mm-hmm. have the code of conduct. So we had to roll out anti-harassment, legally re- required workplace violence, which we just did, customer service, which we are in the process of rolling that up, and then he felt code of conduct was the next consecutive one. Um, so, so between June and June of 2018, granted it shouldn't have been on the website, but you know, these are as good as until tested, right? So yeah. we had an issue come up, mm-hmm. and it was looked into, and this wasn't even considered because it wasn't trained yet. Right. Okay? Yep. So my question is, it, so this is one policy that, out of all of them, you know, the some that are mandated by the state, the some just employees, this is mandatory. All the boards and committees and town employees, so advisory committee, selectmen, mm-hmm. we all have to go right. through this. Okay? So in that time that we sign it until now when it was presented to us, I think Tracy Vasily presented it with two other ones, and she recommended September. Mm-hmm. So now we have a sheet that until this got brought up at the last meeting to give a – I didn't know it wasn't implemented. I didn't know it was going to take a year. I didn't know it was very complicated mm-hmm. on a civility that we have to train people on being civil. So what do we tell in the same discussion we had when someone comes in mm-hmm. and complains that um, that this was in violation and the town says, well, we haven't been trained on civility, so we can't even look at it. One, it's a little disheartening. Two, it's a little disingenuous for this board to have something up for a year. And I just want to be clear. So between June and now, nobody's been trained on this. Nobody signed off on it. Nobody's well, been given this policy. I mean, policies aren't in place to catch somebody. Policies are in place to. Well, my one question is: yeah. anyone been held to this? Has anyone no. been given the, this? The answer to is sign? no. There is no, no, nobody no, no. Nobody's been at all. no. Not, not as of the yet. Reason, because we're, we're, we still have to negotiate all those that policy. Not with. So, not with advisory committee no. members, us? Absolutely. No, but the employees we... go first. They, all the collective bargaining units have to go first. Okay. And then we, and then we roll it out to the boards and So department heads that are not unionized, mm-hmm. there's no representation from the union. I know, but right. we, don't want to hold, we don't want to put a policy in place that it, it creates an us-against-them thing. Yeah. This group you is held accountable to the policy, the and this group isn't. That's right. why we're rolling it out to boards, committees, and employees all at the same time. And as I said, the, our HR council said, 
to have a civility policy, it's the golden standard. The reason I put it on the website, maybe I'm wrong, is because I'm the chair of a municipal personnel association that covers 350 cities and towns. We are the gold standard. I have shared this with more than 40 communities, that we have the foresight to create the policy. However, in order to have you know, employees, in fairness to them, to be held to these policies, they have to have the very basic things. Harassment and violence both refer back to this policy. And customer service, before you can have civility, we wanted to train people in customer service as well. And now, with all those things in place, this is the next significant training we're going to do. Well, it wasn't, what's, what's it really wasn't kicked under the desk or well, anything like that. Well, let, let me, it's really important to know that not everybody has a civility policy. This is actually a step higher than most places even it's have. It's the gold standard. It is. It's the highest standard you so, can possibly so, so, my, so one of my concerns are, are we putting so much in here? I don't think, you know, and, I, and like I said it to me, I'm not micromanaging. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a more simple policy reading this that you can't hand it to somebody that says be civil and sign it. Because the, yeah. the standards on here are black and white. For this to take one year... Are we doing something? Are we doing too much, trying to do too much too soon? If this was presented to us last June and said it's going to take a year, I think that would have been a good yeah. discussion. Yeah, and, and that's our fault for not telling you that. Yeah, and okay? keep in but, mind we're and, trying to correct yeah. the sins of many, many yeah. years by putting in never place, been, never been in place the policies that were legally required. And then this is a gold standard policy, and we're, we're excited to implement it, but I don't think you can implement it before you're ready, before you touch on all the basics. You can't harass. You can't discriminate. You can't, you know, <laughs> you know, have violence in the workplace. It's a ladder, all of it's those a things. Of the this is this is the icing. And and it's a great accomplishment to even have one of these and I appreciate that you guys proved it when you did. And um I mean and, and if this is all we did, if we had a training and development department that just did this all day, sure we would have done this quicker. So if but there's a not. complaint against civility I guess this was my issue is it goes nowhere till this policy is signed. There's no looking at anything that has this. Because I'm well, looking at that one yeah, example. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm, happy, I'm, happy, I'm happy to talk about that. So, mm-hmm. so the question then becomes, you know, are there any legal standards beyond that? And the answer is no. I mean, because the only other legal standards there are are the ones that we've already approved. So well, I'm is, not sure we're saying so, legal. So the anti-discrimination policy, the workplace violence policy, those are legal standards that, that are actually in place in most communities in Massachusetts. Um, so, you're looking at all the other ones. Right, I'm no, looking no, at but, one, but, one policy that but says But the civility policy yep. is the next level, Jim, and that's what I'm trying to say to you, is that in order to have the work, those other, in order to get to the civility policy, you have to have those others in place. You still have to negotiate the impact because it's still subject to interpretation from everybody, every unit that, that we have out there, which means that they have to be clear about what the expectation is and what, and what the standards are before they agree to it. And so if we have that clear understanding and they sign off on it and, 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 so, and then something comes along, we have the ability to, to take appropriate action. The problem is I think the, the, the difference that we're dealing with here is that we didn't have any standards. So I guess the question is... Bill, that's not true. That is not true. Well, no, but let me say... We had had Bill, we had Mr. Gala, who had standards. You might not agree with them, but don't say we didn't have standards. You didn't have have personnel standards that were were written down as policies, because we couldn't find any. So I, I guess my point is that you had a personnel policy. Absolutely, everybody had a personnel policy. The question is, do you... Standards of conduct are different. So I guess what we're trying to do is professionalize... The, the workforce, in addition to train them properly so the expectation levels are high. 
And, and you know something? So far, it's worked really, really well. And I, and I guess what my, the point is, and, and Mary Beth said it, we're not creating policies so that we can just point fingers at people. I think what the, the, the purpose of creating the policy and the standard is so that people understand what their expectations are. And so when they come to work here, there is a high standard. And I think that's why a lot of people want to work here. And it's also to mitigate risk, to protect, right. you know, the town. So um, I think I, – I, I But my expectation is when we hire somebody, they're civil. They don't need a policy. Granted, I'm oversimplifying it. But to hang your hat on a policy that takes a year to get to and then something comes along and you can't even evaluate it because it's not a policy yet, the people that we hire, I think – we should have more expectations that they can meet this walking in the door. And we do. I mean, there's, there's, there's insubordination and, and performance and all those things that with the, a lot of towns don't have even a policy like this, and you can still discipline and coach performance based on someone with a bad attitude or something like that. You don't need this policy to do that. The, the thing with this policy is we didn't even get it. We, we started with negotiations with our biggest group, the two steelworker groups, and it was signed off in November. So that's where, you know, we're, we're just picking up now um, and completing the other trainings. And, and we decided let's schedule when all the new boards and committees are appointed. We have a date in June where we're hoping to roll out a lot of things, ethics, things – so it can be a refresher for existing elected and appointed folks, and it can be sort of a introduction to new elected and appointed folks. And at the same time, employees will do the training as well. Um, I, I mean, I apologize for the miscommunication. That's why this was a great opportunity for discussion to be able to roll out where we've come, how far we've come with policies. Um, I think that, um, you know, there's certainly more work to be done, but given the, the workload of what we've had to do since we did that first audit back in 2014, I think we've checked off, you know, 90% of the boxes of things we've wanted to do. There's certainly work to still be done because the environment's always changing. So, and I'll try to, and, and this is my last question. So if someone comes in and complains about something that's in violation of this, What's the response? What has been the response over the year, other than that one incident that we're talking? We, we can't look at it. We, we, we really haven't had one. We haven't had one. There's so, been no employees so they, that no. this has been addressed to. At we've all. had situations where I think we, we've invi- we've evaluated workplace violence, um, and um, and even harassment for that yeah. matter. We've looked at those too. We've looked at both those situations, but um, and dealt with them accordingly. But these are this. We've not had anybody come in and say. Um, that, that is a violation of of, of the of, of the uh, code of conduct. Like I said, the code of conduct is is the is is the highest standard. And, and again, it's a process. It's a it's a it's an it's a it's a it's sort of like climbing a ladder. We're at the we're at the three quarter part of the ladder. We're, we're trying to get to the very top. And that's that's it. One of the interesting things too to let you know when mm-hmm. when we do the training, and this happened in the community I worked in previously. Um, and I'm certified as an MCAD trainer, so I've done anti-harassment in other organizations. And every time you roll out a policy and you do the training, the number of reported incidents goes up, and you end up with a lot of investigations. Um, I'm happy to say that when we did the training here, um, we had a much less percentage of people coming forward with the what-ifs, and I think this was, and, um, and luckily we had, you know, uh, professional people delivering the training, and we were able to investigate and answer those things. But um, it's certainly not a red flag when you get reports of that. But 
it's really helpful for people to say they understand the policy, they can ask questions, they can recognize now the behaviors. So um, I feel like I feel good presenting this to you today that we've accomplished what we've accomplished. Thank you. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> how often or what's your goal to do policy updates that are not state mandated? Is it as needed? Is it when there's a when there's a problem and you have to review it, or is it going to be so every? Is it going to be on a cycle? It'll be an ongoing. So, yeah. So we keep in touch with you know legal requirements. Like we've been uh, notified that the quarry policy has changed. So we met tonight, personnel board. This was two meetings we've spent on the quarry policy, and we'll be bringing you the revised quarry policy um, at the next meeting on February twentieth to look at. Um, we've met about the having a mandated reporter in order to go along with our darkness to light training. Um, the group met about that, has looked at some older policies that were drafted. Um, they wanted to see what happened with the legislation because, you know, the understanding is that what's been submitted might come back a little different. So to write a policy that doesn't meet the terms of the legislation, that that's what they're waiting on on that. But we're continually looking for best practices in you know, what policies are needed. Um, I think the next big one is social media, but uh, it's been agreed that when our website is late coming out, the new website, and the best time in the world to do that is when we train on the capabilities of the new website and we have everybody sign off on the social media policy at the so, same time. So talking about the, the mandated reporting, mm -hmm. why do we have to wait for the legislation? Why can't we put the policy in place and then revise the policy based on the, the legislation? We had that talk with Jay Barrows this morning about the legislation and the status of it um, because we had personnel board tonight, and that's going to be one of the next ones we talk about. And he felt um, that when, because it's not new legislation, because it's amending existing legislation, he felt it was going to be more of an omnibus type process so that we might see something a little different. And I asked him that question. I said, we're looking to write a policy regarding this. And he said he felt like it might come back very different. And So we revised the policy. I, I think to not have that policy is, is a shame. Yeah. Well, that's the next one on our docket for personnel board after Corey. I, I, I think of, you know, I think to not have that policy is, is ridiculous. It really is. I mean, to wait to wait for legislation, we've been wait what two years now. <laughs> I mean, Plus, it could it could be another two years. This is an example though where we have done all the training uh, for employees. Uh, we're Make waiting for we're waiting for the Get refresher course to come out and, and require a second round of training as well. Okay. Uh, I, I don't want to wait for legislation. I want to get the policy, and when the legislation comes out, we'll revise the policy. But I think there's, there's new training that's actually coming out, and it's coming out when? Um, I don't know. It, it's um, They were exploring some refresher-type training, but I haven't seen it yet. Okay. So we baseline trained everyone who has. Okay. Can we have a, can we have a policy based on the, on, the, on the training that you already issued? Yeah. And then it's easy to so do the revision. I think the, the policy is going to mirror more that proposed legislation about mandated reporter because the the darkness to light training can't really build a policy around that but mm -hmm. the, i think it's the legislation was what we were going to use as the baseline the um the thing that town law town so you can you can base the policy based on the on the, the bill. existing one base yeah. it on the bill yeah and then you revise it yeah. based on, on final legislation Fair enough. that's the direction we're probably going in after the talk with dave and the, um with uh, jay and then with 
your comments. Okay. Yeah. The last question I have, mm -hmm. we're beating this to, to death. Um, I want to beat it a little more. <laughs> okay. It's all right. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad you guys all, care what we do. All these policies <laughs> uh, for new employee orientation, mm -hmm. they, they get all this Every single one of the, these. They get every single one of these policies. And then we have electronic. Um, so for the people who couldn't attend workplace violence because police and fire work, shift work, um, or like people, the whole library couldn't come. So we're either delivering separate training per department or we have a link um, to on to a recorded training where they can watch it and sign off. So we've done that with ethics. We've done that with sexual, with anti-harassment, and we've done that with workplace violence as well. And, of course, darkness to light, you can either take a live class or do that online. So um, every employee has the ability to view and take the training, whether they came and sat here or not. We, we made it mandatory, but there were buildings that couldn't close or whatever to do it. All right, so the document that we have, Town of Foxborough Employee Training Summary, mm -hmm. some of these look like just trainings and some right. are obviously policies. Yeah. Can we separate the ones, take the policy ones that we have that are completed and get them on board docs in our library? All the policies, yeah. The ones that are completed because yep. there's only – Four in the board docs library of policies, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of these aren't on there. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing a document with what our policies are and what our trainings are. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. The re this was being put together for a presentation we do with Adcom, just to kind of show them one of the one of the five or six subject areas of HR and. Yeah, but like if you go to board for. docs, a lot of these that have been done for a while, the policies aren't even on our board docs sure. to reference any of the policies. So okay. But for people watching, our policies that have been implemented are on our website. So I bet I'll get them on board docs okay. for you guys. Mm -hmm. That's it. <coughs> any other questions? No? No? Thank you. And Thank if you, you ever want us to <laughs> deliver any other of the uh, competency areas of HR, you know, just as an update, let me know. <coughs> Sure, you'll be happy to talk about it. I know. <laughs> I love HR. She's passionate about it. Nothing wrong with it. Okay. Uh, well, we're running a little bit behind. Um, Selectman's update. Obviously, we're all <clears throat> disappointed in uh, what happened Sunday. Um, but I think we could all be proud of the support that, that we showed. Uh, again, Jim and Linda and, and Paul did a great job. Um, and there's always next year. Fortunately, we, we have high expectations, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, that's all I have. Anybody have anything else? And that was a good turnout for the, the parade and everything, thanks to the rec and cable access for film. Everything was good. Okay. Your turn. Okay. Well, again, I just want to add thank you to the uh, – the community to Jim to, to Linda to the uh, to, to Chris for reading the proclamation, uh, who did a great job on Saturday. Uh, for Senator Feeney, who was the, our DJ, uh, our <laughs> DJ uh, extraordinaire, for two years now he's done that, and uh, thanks to him and and uh, thanks for everyone for joining us on a, on a great Saturday afternoon. Saturday, Saturday morning rather that, that that was actually pretty cold, um, almost similar to what was going on in in uh, Minneapolis, but I think they were actually a little colder than we were. Um, so, again, thanks and congratulations to the Patriots for a great season. Um, we can't lose sight of the fact that they were the AFC champions again. 
Um, that's that, that's ten times that they've they've been the AFC champions, which is extraordinary in in many many ways. And that we have five Super Bowl champions on top of that, championships on top of that. I know the work isn't done, and I'm happy to report that Channel Five is reporting that Josh McDaniels is not leaving. He's he's it looks like he's he's looking to stay. Again, as, as the uh, just got it on just my came phone. Out, just came in just a second ago. So um, hopefully that will be the case, and it's a. Stunning revelation, but we're very pleased to see that happen, and uh, glad to see. I think that the the Brady uh, McDaniel's connection is going to stay on for hopefully one more year at least, possibly two if, if that's the case. So uh, happy to see that happen. So good news and, and congratulations to them. We actually um, uh, we took the flag down uh, today. We kept it up yesterday because they knew, we knew they were coming back, and we kept it up for the day. But the flag has gotten a little bit worn and torn during the time it's been up there. So I, I put a request in for a new one, and um, I'm also, uh, I've also put in a, a request to see if we can get an AFC championship flag, which would be, would be, uh, be, which would be actually nicer than even the, just the plain flag itself. So if that's possible, hopefully. I don't know if that's possible, but we'll see. We put the request in anyways. Um, a couple things that, that uh, business-wise I wanted to... Um, See um, if I could pass along, and uh, Caitlin, can you have that? Pass that out. That's that the uh, uh, the Plain Ridge Casino uh, document. I just pass it out to the board. I'm not going to ask you to act on this tonight, but um, read it over. And there is, I've actually circulated internally for the past month, asking everyone to see if, in fact, they have anything that they wanted to do with um, with this money, or if there was any any reason why we should hold on to it. Um, the impact from the casino has been de minimis to us. And it doesn't look as though any of the actions that we have occurred here in town have, been re have required us to uh, draw on those funds at all. So Plain Ridge is, is following through on, on the requirement that they made when they first took the, took the license that they would follow up in 2018 to, to see if, in fact, there were any impacts, and if so, the money would go back to them. Uh, it's actually being held in an escrow account. But I've asked with both public safety operations if, in fact, there were any impacts that they could see, and, and neither one of them could come back with anything that uh, would be worthy of consideration or drawing on this particular fund. But before I signed off on it, I wanted to at least have the board review it. If you have any concerns or questions, please let me know before the next meeting. I'll ask you for a vote at the next meeting to see if we can just, just uh, sign off on this and, and send it back to them. Are you reaching out to... Page the planner and DPW director. Yeah, and we've, we've already and talked about it, staff, in the operations meeting, and we've talked to all of them. Um, when Chief Baker was here one meeting, didn't he say he was requesting funds from? He is, but it's not out of this fund. This is a, this is a separate fund. He's actually they do have some mitigation funds that they that they have been in addition to this. It was an opioid. Um, yeah. It was a donation, ten thousand dollar donation for um, purpose of opioid. Right. Epidemic pre uh, which is prevention region, methods. Which is more regional in nature. It has nothing specifically to do with the casino itself. So if, if nobody finds anything, this money goes away forever? No, actually, it's, they've, they've actually got that door open to us. They said if, in fact, you do have an issue, then they certainly will, will listen and they'll certainly uh, take it under consideration and see if they can fund something. But um, at this point in time, that was the extent of the agreement that was in place at the time was for a three-year period. And, in fact... Um, and so we're just follow, they're following through on that. Would this stretch out to not physical impacts like traffic or wear and tear, but educational um, endeavors that we might want to do at the schools? We'd have to go, go. I'll have to go look and see what what provisions of that agreement were. But I, I, it says to me that 
um, it, it's it's more direct impacts, you know, uh, as opposed because and we and bear in mind we were the only community that actually had an impact fee. All the surrounding towns didn't get one. We were the only ones to get one. So um, it's I think it was somewhat limited because of that as in scope as to why when they when they when they put that in place. Has there been able uh, the ability to determine if there's been more traffic going through Foxborough, especially the back roads? as a shortcut to the uh, they can't seem to to put an arm on that. And then I mean I'm sure there's anyone can point to more traffic. I mean I think but but whether it's specifically to the casino very difficult. Yeah, we, we talked about that early on, doing a baseline study of, of yeah. you know, they have it pre, and then compare it to post on the peak. Um, My biggest fear living on Spruce Street, which is the back door to that, was the traffic when it opened, and believe it or not, we've seen decreased traffic. Hmm. I think it's because of the way Route 1 is now configured. Yeah, because we turned off all the streetlights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we get a copy of what the um, the original agreement, the escrow agreement is? Sure. Just so I can look at that, if you could email that out to the board. Because it's referenced in that second page. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? No, because one, one of my things is where I want to just make sure we can leave it open in case all of a sudden that place expands. Um, well, if they expand, then they'd have to still have to come back to us. Uh, yeah. if, and so that would be a different discussion hmm. because they, they, their license is only for that particular facility. If they expand that facility, then they have to go through another public hearing process. Well, expansion of brick and mortar, but also expansion of um, <clears throat> gambling amenities that they. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, if they, if they have uh, a, a different <laughs> hotels and yeah. stuff like that, that's. I, that's questionable, but if they expand the casino facilities, then that would be the uh, that would well, be the issue. Well, I mean, like for instance, if we have this agreement in place now, I know where Boston Tropical that is for sale or somebody bought it. What if they put up a you know a hotel or something where people might be <clears throat> using more of Foxborough Road? So just I would like to see the original escrow agreement. Um, if 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 they if, so, if the development proposal was built on any one of those sites beyond Foxborough, then they are in Foxborough. I, I have to believe there's going to be some sort of an impact. Yeah, uh, but that's not in Foxborough. It's on. It's in Plainville, and I don't think we would ever normally have any say in anything. Right. All right. I'll uh, get you a copy of the agreement because I I don't. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure it's pretty narrowly written, but I'll uh, we'll, t we'll certainly get it to you. And then um, also I wanted to um, point out that we did do the uh, – we're, we're going to be doing a year, the year in review uh, evaluation next week um, that um, before it actually comes before the board and to make sure that it's, it's finalized. But uh, the early indications are that it's, it actually tops last year's uh, rollout. So you'll, I think you'll be pleased with what we were able to come up with. So, um, so that sort of leads into my my comments uh, at, at this point to say that we are sad to see that Caitlin is going to be leaving us, but really happy for her in the sense that professionally she has uh, has taken on a new role in the town of Westboro as the economic development coordinator. So we're very very pleased for her and sort of happy to see uh, her progress in her career her career aspirations. Um, it's been a great run with her, and uh, she's taught us all a lot, and we've all been very pleased with the work that she's done. 
Um, we hope that we are helpful to her in, in trying to get and mentor her and teach her the, the, the ways of the world in, in municipal government in the process. But um, we, we had a feeling that she wasn't going to be here forever because I knew she was she was looking to try and uh, grow the experience and actually move on and, 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 uh, and, and grow her career. So, um, so I want to just say thank you for all the work that you've done. You. Good luck, Caitlin. Can I say yes. yes sir. I think this is the first time she's spoken at one of these meetings, so, which it has to be the hardest thing not to speak. Pay close attention, everybody. <laughs> this is if awesome. You, if you want the spotlight, you can come in front of us. You can go up to a lectern. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I just really wanted to thank the board for being patient with being learning board docs together this year. Um, you're going to do fine. Um, and I also wanted to thank the coworkers here. I mean, I have the best coworkers and one of the biggest uh, challenges of making this decision was, was leaving uh, this town. Um, and every day I see them go above and beyond uh, for the great residents of Foxborough. And for me, that only just um, reaffirms my commitment to having a career in public service. Um, and I also want to thank Bill and Mary Beth <laughs> um, for not only being mentors to, to me um, from when you first hired me as a summer intern, um, but also just creating a warm and welcoming educational environment in this town hall. Um, I've been able to learn so much within a year and four months, and I, I know I will take it all with me to Westboro. And um, you know, Westboro is just a truly a great place to, to work. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Caitlin, from internship to can you t tell what your, can you let people know what your oh, new position um, is? economic development coordinator. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Congratulations. It's always been one of her, her major goals is to get into that line of work, yeah. so this is a good opportunity for her. Westboro's a great community as well. Um, Jim Malloy, the town manager there, is a, is a close friend, and he's, he's done a terrific job with that community, and they've got a lot going on there. They're in the, where, they, where we're feeling it on, on this end, between Boston and Providence, they're feeling it between Worcester and Boston. So they're really uh, in a really strategically good location, and economic development is a really big piece of what they do there. So she's going to be working on some pretty interesting stuff. So congratulations and look forward to you to hear you hearing some of your stories, war stories. That's all I have. So I'm sad now. <laughs> well, we're really gonna miss you, Caitlin. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Um, we identified you as a superstar and you've done nothing to ever disappoint. Um, and just for everybody's sake, Caitlin holds two master's degrees, and we knew we weren't going to hold her in this position forever, and uh, we're just really glad for the contributions she's made and for you know, your friendship and your professionalism. We appreciate that. Um, so just quick update. Um, as you all know, when we all the contracts we've negotiated thus far, except for the two that we've got to complete, we have performance evaluations um, negotiated in. So now rubber meets the road. We're trying an electronic uh, performance eval process. Uh, it's, we're demoing uh, software to do that, and it's been rolled out to all the steel workers. So basically 60 people did self-evaluations and submitted them, and now the managers are doing their evaluations, and they'll sit down with the employees to discuss. Um, we're working uh, baby steps right now with police department on their performance evals. They're going to be doing the paper kind, but um, I've been training, meeting with the supervisors and small groups on shift to talk them through, you know, how to effectively uh, do an evaluation and getting their feedback. And they're, they're really um, providing me with some great insight, and, and they've been very, very um, 
they're very positive about the whole process. So that's great. Um, as I said, we're going to be rolling out the uh, revised Corey policy to you on uh, February 20th. Personnel board met twice. Uh, we've revised the policy, um, and we'll be bringing that to you. I will be sending you this week, I believe on Friday, some customer service questions to put on our survey. Just wanted your feedback, if you can comment or think of any other questions, because we're pulling that together um, to kick off next week. And um, I believe that's all that I have. Again, thank you for your attention tonight to my boring policy stuff. One comment on the customer service survey. Mm -hmm. Keep it simple. Mm -hmm. In short, you'll get you'll get more feedback if you make it if you make it too cumbersome. People will just throw it away. Yeah, and we're trying I to agree, make use of the, of the seniors, uh, the senior uh, readers out here as well to to do those. So we can actually get some feedback from folks as yeah. they come in the building. So everything I've read said you should have about six questions. That's really the, the max. Right. People will stop, won't want to fill it out, don't want it two-sided, right. all of that. So um, I agree. <laughs> so I'll send you the questions, and you can tweak them if you want. So the most important thing about the customer surveys is you take them seriously, you reward good behavior, and mm -hmm. you discipline bad behavior. Right. Because if you're not going to do that, it's useless. Right. We found that out too. And experience. you know, in fairness, we've offered everyone the customer service excellence training, so they should be at the top of their game, and we anticipate rewarding a lot more than disciplining. <laughs> All right. Action items. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> uh, move to accept a gift donation in the amount of $25 to the Council on Aging. In memory of James Sheward from Anonymous. Second. <clears throat> Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Move to accept a gift donation in the amount of $50 to the Council on Aging in memory of Raymond Mosher and Roberta McIntyre from Jocelyn Tripp. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Move to approve a common victualler's license for uh, the Raptor Restaurant Group, LLC, doing business as Moe's Southwest Grill at 265 Patriot Place. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? None. All those in favor? Aye. Um, move to approve uh, Steve's Lakeview uh, Inc. doing business as Lakeview Pavilion an early opening on Saturdays for 2018 at 11 o'clock. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Yeah, you can run yeah. out of order. Oh, I'm going via the sheet, but is that different than... Uh... Well, it might have been. These action items get updated from board docs. Looks like oh. you missed number five on board dogs. Okay. Yeah, that's not on. Sometimes it's easier for me to read on the sheet. Uh, we'll go back to 805. Uh, accept a gift donation in the amount of $300 to the Council on Aging for program for a program with Patricia Perry as, as agreed from Friends of Foxborough Seniors. Second. Motion made. Second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. So oh. Two Mo's ones. Which yeah, one I got to get the second one coming up next. Okay. Uh, no, move wasn't to approve. that the same? 
I'm sorry? No, they did two different, two different licenses. There's a Moe's at... Both says Common oh. Victuals. Yeah, one's at Patriot Place, the other's at Fox Oh, Fox. oh okay. Yeah. I get you. Move to approve a uh, Common Victuals license uh, for the Raptor Restaurant Group, LLC, doing business as Moe's Southwest Grill at 4 Foxborough Boulevard, Unit 410. Second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Move to approve a seven-day entertainment license for Raptor Restaurant Group, LLC, doing business as Most Southwestern Grill at 4 Foxborough Boulevard, Unit 410. Second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, move to approve the gift donation in the amount of $500 to the ACO for uh, services from Anonymous. Second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Um, we'll do them one at a time. Move to approve the 1918 Board of Selectmen's minutes. Second. Motion made, second. Under discussion, I'm going to recuse myself because I was ill. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, move to approve the 116-18 Board of Selectmen minutes. Second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Move to approve the 123-18 Board of Selectmen minutes. Second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Mr. Chairman, I, I think um, item 809 got over, overlooked. That was... Um, you actually approved a um, brunch license for them for uh, for just one, was it one Saturday or one Sunday? On Sundays. On Sundays, on Sundays. okay. So this one's on for Saturdays. Yeah, I get, they do the same year. Uh, I thought you read that, though. I did. I did. Yeah, I, did. I did it. I did it out of order. Uh, oh, I, I apologize. I think the written yeah. ones are out of order than oh. the ones on the uh, list. That's why okay. it looked like I skipped some. I apologize. But they, they were here. It's just them, yeah. a different order. Okay, very good. Thank you. Just trying to keep everyone awake. Yeah, that's right. Believe me. <laughs> Can I have a motion to exit regular session and go into executive session? Can, Move you, need to, can you need to read the reason why for both? Uh, I'll read the reason why. Um, the conduct strategy sessions. Conduct strategy sessions in preparation for negotiation for contract renewal with non-union personnel, finance director Randy Scollins. To conduct strategy sessions in preparation for contract negotiation amendment with non-union personnel, Police Chief William Baker. I'll say so moved. I'll second it. Which made second. Any further discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Yeah. You need to. You need to. Oh, Mark. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Thank you. But don't we have to say then we have to come out for purposes of adjourning? Uh, yeah, you, 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 not, you, not to reconvene we'll in the open session. Yeah, we're not going to come out. Okay, yeah. So you can just say the meeting will not be reconvened in open session. Meeting will not be reconvened in open session. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice echo. <laughs> All right.